0: And in that one session, my, the spirit of my father came through and he passed when I was 15. And it was like, I mean, all three of us felt it. It was like the most intense thing I had ever experienced in my life, but his spirit came through and I felt like Andrea was even like, you know, feeling his spirit. She was like, he doesn't want you to be sad anymore. And I didn't even realize I hadn't dealt with my grief. And so I later found out, like years later, that grief is actually stored in the lungs.
1: My life used to feel like I was stuck on autopilot, trapped in the same thought loops, worries, and fears. Then, something major happened. Enter psychedelics. My name is Kat Walsh, and you're listening to Trip On This. Join me as we journey together into these mysterious realms, discussing everything from personal transformation, otherworldly experiences, and practical at-home tips. Welcome, fellow traveler, to the land of limitless possibilities. Welcome back, my friends. It's your host, Kat, and I am so excited to bring you today's episode with Ellen Wong. Ellen is a breathwork facilitator, a quantum journey guide, and the host of the Woo Nu podcast. She specifically works with breathwork and cannabis as well. We also talk about microdose protocols and even the big journeys. This episode is so much fun and really centers around the concept of burnout, when we experience burnout in our life and how to help get ourselves back on track to help get ourselves more balanced. Speaking of burnout, I couldn't think of a more aligned partner than today's sponsor, Mudwater. For those of you who have been listening to Trip on This for a while now, you may recall an episode I have with Shane Heath he's the CEO and founder of Mudwater and that episode is all around burnout and it was particularly around coffee and how high amounts of that caffeine can make us feel stressed and anxious that's the aspect that i've been loving about my mudwater yes there is a microdose of caffeine a fraction of the amount so you can still feel a little bit of that get up and go but without the crash it's got things like masala chai cacao lion's mane cordyceps chaga reishi cinnamon turmeric and Himalayan salt. So think of it as a coffee alternative. It's got four adaptogenic mushrooms and Ayurvedic herbs with just a fraction of the caffeine. But because it's got all of these other supporting functional mushrooms and herbs, you still get that focus, you still get that energy, but without the crash. My favorite part about mud water, without a doubt, is how I actually feel after. There is such a stark difference, at least in my own body, between the days that I drink coffee and the days that I drink mud water. With mud water, I could still feel that little bit of that caffeine, right? That masala chai still has the caffeine, but it doesn't hit my adrenals in the same way that coffee does. I can't tell you how many different times I've drank coffee because it sounds good, because it's a habit to drink it and then I'll be halfway done with it. And then I'm anxious and I feel uncomfortable in my own skin. And then I'm stuck in my day, just feeling uncomfortable until it wears off. My particular favorite way to consume the mud water rise, which is the one in the black tin is to have it in oat milk. Plus there's honestly a ton of different ways that you can actually consume the mud water rise. I've also put it in shakes. So if I want to kind of have like a cinnamon chai, I have got like a really good chocolate way that I use. So if I want kind of like that kind of vibe, however, I can actually get Get it into my system. I've been trying different ways. Honestly, I'm just so grateful to have Mudwater as a partner on, Trip on this. I'm such a huge fan, not only of just the product, but also the ethos of the company. If you are interested in getting your own Mudwater, head over to mudwater.com and you can use the coupon code TripOnThis for 15% off. Or you can tap the link in the description of this episode and it'll take you straight to the store. Again, head over to mudwater.com and use the coupon code TripOnThis for 15% off or click the link in the description below. And with that, I pass it over to Ellen Wong. Ellen Wong, it is so good to see you again. Last time I saw you, we were very fittingly uh, playing in the desert at, Michael- <laughs> at Double Blind's psychedelic-inspired festival, Michaelogia, and it's just so good to have you on the show. and. I can't wait for people to know you and hear you. I, I listen to your, you know, videos whether it's tarot cards or just words of wisdom and I'm like, I can't wait for people to know this woman. The kindness that pours out of you is meant to be known by the world. So thank you so much for being here.
0: You're going to make me cry already. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's such an honor to be here with you and I just loved how we instantly connected at Mycologia and I met some amazing, super rad people in that event. And it's just so cool to see how these threads have continued to connect us and taken us now, you know, we're sitting here in front of each other Mm -hmm. over zoom, but it's, I don't know. I just, I think I'm constantly reminded that like this connection is ever present if we allow ourselves to tap into it and not get distracted with all the, can I curse on here? Oh, hell sure. yeah. Yeah, okay. fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll start it like, for you. Fuck yes, please continue. <laughs> like we get bogged down by all the shit, right? Like mm-hmm. all the shit that's just so, you know, I think it just creates myopic, you know, tunnel vision. Yeah. But really it's, you know, again, like I'm sitting here with you and I'm just kind of like in awe of these connections that I have had the honor and pr- privilege of forming and, um, experiencing mm-hmm. and how they've just like sort of taken us on this like beautiful journey to again, like this moment. Yeah. And so. it's
1: cool. Like the path, because we'll, we'll get into your, your journey here, because obviously you weren't, you weren't doing, uh, you weren't on the healing path before, or this kind of wellness path. You were, it sounds like you're working more in the the corporate marketing advertising world before this. And so I'd love to, dive into that and and talk to you about first where were you at from a mind space a head space and let's just call it your old life before this interwoven healing synchronistic journey that i think we both find ourselves on now
0: my mind space I'm just gonna take a second, like, to go back there, mm-hmm. and I say back Sorry. there, it's <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's really not that far back. You know, it's like 2018 mm-hmm. that I sort of jumped away from this career. I I was in advertising, marketing. I was an executive creative director for a digital agency out in Santa Monica, and I was essentially overseeing the entire creative team. My mind space, like, I love the way you pose this question because. It's not so much who I was, it's more like what the hell was going on in Mm -hmm. here or not going on in here. And um, it was a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of what am I doing with my life? Why am I bleeding out for... A, an ad on TV or like, why am I bleeding out for, you know, why, why am I putting all of my energy and my life force energy into something that disappears after, you know, it runs for a day or a week or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it was that kind of thing. It was almost kind of like the, um, I couldn't make sense of why I felt so like the the importance of these things I was creating, these ads, this yeah. you know, websites, whatever it was. I couldn't understand, like, why is this so important? And I I started really questioning the importance of this work that I was doing and the money that gets put into this work. And like, it just felt like nonsense after a while. And the fact that I was experiencing shortness of breath because of anxiety and this constant feeling of, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, why, why did they elevate me to this position? Like, why am I now overseeing, you know, why am I at the top of my game here? I did not ask for this. Mm -hmm. And it sounds really like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, It sounds kind of like, uh, like I should be grateful for that. And in some ways I, I am really grateful. Like I didn't, I was very lucky in my career. I grew really fast. And for some reason people trusted my, my skills. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to elevate really quickly through my career. But if I was like, I remember stopping and really thinking about like where I was in my position and you know, the money I was making all that stuff. I literally never asked for it, you know, mm-hmm. I I never really was like, I'm going to be this executive creative director, you know, at the top, yeah. like, never really wanted it. And so I think that's what really started to get me thinking, like, why am I working seven days a week, you know, like, yeah. 12 hours a day? Like, what am I doing here? Why am I not being able to breathe? Why am I feeling constantly stressed? Why am I unhappy? Yeah. Like, I should be super fulfilled, like making the money that I am. And, you know, I'm, I got married in 2017 and really, I think that was a catalyst for me to like start to kind of feel into some of these things that were present, but I hadn't Mm. allowed myself to feel into. I think it was looking at this new relationship, this new marriage I had, and I had no fucking clue what it meant to be a wife. Like I had no time to think about that, you know? And I think I'm somebody who really does like to take the time to really sink into these ideas and these concepts, you know, and, and really kind of, you know, I think it's my Sagittarius moon. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I really like to philosophize and really understand like, okay, I'm marrying this person. What does it mean to be a wife? What does it mean to be present with him? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a support, a supporting partner? And here's my job literally taking up every single ounce of my energy and time, So yeah,
1: I think there's a lot of people that can relate to that. And I also worked in advertising as well. And so I, I really understand, um, that world. And when you're in a culture where, um, there's client expectations and very fast timelines and primarily pretty much every agency person I know is overworked, they've got more Mm -hmm. workload than they can. What can people do? Do you think, you know, I think on one hand, um, one I want to talk about from a skill level, like, okay, you're not ready to make, you want to make it work. You love it. But like the overwhelm is getting overwhelming. So what can we do from a tool perspective to help it? But, you know, I think on even, even higher level, I think for us as being entrepreneurs now and being able to create our own space and, and to take the breaks when we need the breaks and to, to go when we need the go. A lot of people don't have that right now. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't. And so these ideas of like, does does the idea of letting go and surrender and um you know some necessary pause like how how do we get that into a culture that hasn't really adopted it is it possible to have balance in a world like that or does right. it actually take uh, just saying like prioritizing at the end of the day
0: yeah this is like the million dollar question right <laughs> totally <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the
1: one, this actually, this is the question I was mentioning to you before that you don't have to have the answer because this, I don't know that there is an answer. This is one of the, the most difficult, I think, questions yeah. is like when you have a boss telling you what to do, how do you set boundaries for yourself and still have a job? You know, like there's yeah. there's real, real things that to talk about here that I want to also get to for people
0: that are not, you know, on the path that we're on. Yeah. You know, the way i've been working with my clients and just even in my own personal healing journey the thing that i keep on coming back to that has just sort of um been it's been become front and center in all of my work and in every which way that i think about this life it really all comes back to your relationship to your body right Mm -hmm. and so if you think about your body as this life partner this you know, beautiful vessel that you get to travel this particular lifetime in. And your body is going, hey, I'm overwhelmed. I'm totally, I'm sleep deprived. I'm completely stretched to my limits. I don't have time to go pee during the day. You're not paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's this disconnection that we have to our bodies now that get us into these situations where we're at these jobs that really have no boundaries at all, yeah. you know? And I think part of it is coming back to, like the rebalance is not so much, I think, in the, the work-life thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's actually kind of a, um an illusion, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know if you'll ever get there to your point. I don't think there really is such a thing as quote-unquote balance. Mm -hmm. Because balance, if you think about it, like, imagine yourself standing on this, like, you know, like a, like a, a piece of wood that's like balancing on a ball. You're tense. You're like constantly moving. Balance is constant movement, right? You're not still. It's Mm -hmm. never a still thing. So Mm -hmm. your, your body is rigid. You're, you know, you're like, there, there is a lot of stress that comes from trying to balance on something. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like before i think before i kind of entered into this this path i was trying to achieve what you would call work-life balance obviously completely failing at it you know (laughs) um because there just really is no such thing you know you're like constantly shifting so what i've started to really look at now is rather than looking at balance as this like you know north star this goal I'm bringing it home into my body now and just really trying to learn the language of my body, which is sensation, frequency, emotion, these really subtle little feelings that we have that we oftentimes ignore. If I can learn how to listen to my body and listen to what my body's telling me at any given moment, then I can kind of know how to navigate my life because your body doesn't ever lie. You know, um, yeah. and so when I th- I think about myself in these situations, like back in t- you know 2018 or whatever, whenever I, w- I was at, at this um this agency life, this environment. If I knew then what I know now, if I had the skills to listen to my body then, I don't think I would have stayed in that career as long as I did, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's you know I think anything that you're doing in that career where you're like okay, I'm going to, I'm going to meditate every single day. I'm going to work out. I'm going to, you know, all of it is, um, all of it, I feel like is just sort of like maintenance in yeah. a sense, or yeah. like, you know, it, and I'm not trying to say like, everybody quit the agency, you know, like <laughs> yeah, 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 the advertisers <laughs> will literally freak out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: where's everyone going they listen to a podcast with ellen and Kat, and goodbye agency world but hey you know do we really need another ad for mcdonald's anyway
0: (laughs) we know it yeah we know it's there (laughs) i mean i feel like that honestly i have such gratitude for that industry and that job because What else teaches you about your values more than that when (laughs) you are literally being pushed against the wall or like, you know, you're literally bleeding out and like, if you're in that level of constriction and your body's like, hello, please help me, please listen to me. Yeah. I mean, that's when you learn, that's when you learn really who you are, what your values are, what it is that your life should be about, you know? Yeah and what your intuition is telling you.
1: Yeah. Wow, you that's you just helped me so immensely actually with what you were saying with balance too because, you know, I've been hit the angst of actually trying to find balance, realizing I was creating angst by doing that and I'll give you a really good example of why this really helped me because there's times when I'd be like in a very uh peak flow like here working on things, I got a lot of energy and I can actually probably like even though I've worked you know, I've done about 10 hours of work. Like, I feel like there's, there's two more hours. I just kind of, not because I have to, because I want to, but sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll stop myself and be like, no cat, you need balance at this. Da, da, da. And then, um, it's not from a, it's actually not from listening. It's from an idea that like, oh, you're not being balanced. Meanwhile, the thing is what I think now it's all, coming through is that there's days that I wake up that I feel like I can't do any work and that I really need to honor that mm-hmm. too. And so realizing like, oh, maybe balance for you is maybe you're more of a sprinter and like understanding your own body more. And that is kind of more my vibe. I'm more of a sprinter than a a long distance runner, if you will. Like I would love to have the like a good five really good hours every day and then I have my day. But like, that's not really how I work. I either can like <laughs> really like, do a ton of work and my body's like ready to go in other days. It's like, I don't, I can't, I don't want to do any of it. And so that's really, really helpful. And I think for those listening around, it, it sounds like to me the first step, like if you're reaching that point, that breaking point at work where you're really starting to listen to your body and you're really like, am I losing my, my friendships Rocky because of this brand deal that's going on? Like where what's falling, you know, all those things. I think obviously starting with boundaries, right? And like, whether it's boundaries with your time at work or your team or, you know, I, we did have, and we did have one person at my agency who uh, was much more on that path. And like, it was actually a creative director too. So like a higher, a high level person on it, but she was a, um, she was a, a freelance person, but she really valued her own time. And did not allow basically us to like hit her up after a certain amount of time. And at my time, you know, before I really understood that to me, it was just like, this is as a project manager and account supervisor who has like deadlines that needs to talk to the client. Like that was, uh, I, I couldn't know how to respect her. I, I did, but like in my, in my whole being, I was so caught up in my own fear of needing to get this client thing that I couldn't even understand the idea of boundaries. And so, yeah, yeah, it's like, do you have a boss that, that gets it? And if you don't, then, then what do we, what do we do? And maybe it's not a long, it's not like a sudden, like gotta go, but like you start to Mm -hmm. begin to put the intention out. Right. And like realize like, okay, I want a job that like, I can at least, you know, if I say that I need some time that I can get some time.
0: So, yeah, yeah. And it really is like, you know, I I love the way you put it. It's like putting that intention out there because that's truly how shifts change, right? Mm -hmm. It has to start with your, that intention is your North Star. It's like, okay, I want a job where I, I can honor what my body's telling me and not feel like I have to, you know, perform if I'm just not in a state of, you know, I mean, we have hormones, we have the whole world. Like, I mean, yeah. there's so much energy inside and outside of us that's dictating how on it we can be every day. Yeah. And you're right, every day is different. They're, every single moment is different, mm-hmm. you know? And I love these like little studies where they're like, you know, you're you're most effective when you start, you know, your day at 7 a.m. and then as yeah. if we're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: so <Yeah>, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why it's like every, I feel like every individual, every human really needs to learn at the, the most important skill, more than like, you know, meditation, breath, any of that kind of stuff, is truly like, how do you get still and listen to your body? Because your body's going to tell you like what you're capable of doing that day or not. Yeah. I love what you said. Like, there's days where I can work like 10 hours and you're in that flow and it feels like nothing. Yeah. And you're even more energized after that 10 hours mm-hmm. than like, you know, and, that's a huge sign that like you are in full alignment, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, going back to you, this question around like, okay, if you have like a boss or a supervisor or somebody who's just like not honoring your needs mm-hmm. and you consistently choose to stay in this company working for this person who's not respecting you. That is, you know, and this is a very, very oversimplified way of saying, it's like, it is still a choice. It's still a choice to be there. You know, I understand like finances and all that kind of stuff, but there is also a choice for you to start putting that signal out there. Like, I want to find something different. I want to honor myself. But I think before you even get there, you have to also know that that's what you want, you know? And I think so many of us are caught up in that cycle where we don't even know really truly what we want we're just yeah. kind of like chasing after that that carrot that seems like what we should be wanting but totally. it really ends up not being it you Yeah, know?
1: I had no idea I had no clue that there was any other way to be it was right. it honestly it was that's where the thanks to psychedelics that's why I have a podcast because that's that was the thing that started to bring me back into my body and to realize like, am I okay? (laughs) Like, actually, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm actually okay. I thought I was much more well-functioning than maybe I am, but because everybody out here is running around with their head cut off, I thought that was normal, but that's not very normal. My question for you is how long, how long roughly did it take for you to regulate your nervous system after that? Like, do you consider it now you see you it seems like it from the outside certainly that like you got a good handle on uh your own well-being but how long after for that pattern of stress and people pleasing and all this stuff to unwind
0: I love this question seriously because I think people have this misconception that like okay I quit my shitty job or whatever And instantly, like, I feel better. That's so not the case. That's definitely (laughs) not it. Nope. So, not the case. It took a while. Like, I mean, I I left in April 2018, and I would say that I was very much like in the dark night of my soul, like in the trenches, healing, 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 not regulated, still in perfectionism, still in all this stuff, well into like 2020. It was really the pandemic.
1: (laughs) <laughs> makes me feel so much better because I'm still, I'm still yeah. going through it. It's getting yeah. better. It's getting better. But like, boy, that little like ego mind of like when I'm resting or trying to, it's like, are you sure you shouldn't be doing more? You shouldn't be doing this. Blah, blah, blah. Like mm-hmm. I, it's, I think that's probably like helpful for a lot of people to hear that. Like, and and what did you do? What was some of those practices? How did you regulate your system? Maybe this is where we can move into breath work and meditation and and kind of the path that you've been on now.
0: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it has, I mean, every single healing path is going to look different, but for me, I think, honestly, the pandemic really gave me that, like, no, you're going to stay in your house and you are going to face your shit. You know, that I think that honestly was when I, even though I had been doing breath work for the past, you know, really, truly two years, you know, ever since like I left the agency, um, I was learning how to breathe. I was learning these tools of how to regulate, but that wasn't necessarily going to stop the limiting beliefs and the programs that were Mm -hmm. still very much like in my system. And so I think it required that level of like, like my life just stopping me becoming sort of like a homebody and hermit for, you know, however long we were basically under, um, you know, uh, what was that called? Lockdown. Lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least like a know. good
1: eight months, eight or
0: nine months, right. Of 2020.
1: Oh no. Yeah. Uh, 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 six months
0: of like a true, yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a long time, you know? And, um, and so, I was doing i was holding space during that time i was actually like doing like online breath work um circles and and double blind was actually one of my first Mm -hmm. circles i did online i was like how do i figure out the zoom thing like i need to figure that thing out but for me you know breathing and meditation truly the two of those things carried me through and i was going out to this um this uh park in La Kenyatta called Descanso Gardens. Oh, I loved almost like Gardens. four times. Yeah. it's the best. Beautiful. Like it truly saved me. I think during the entire pandemic, just being with the trees, just meditating outside with like the rose bushes and like being out in nature, it was my sanctuary. Yeah. I I truly don't know how I could have done that you know and that was like a daily activity of regulation cuz like so much was happening beyond just the lockdown there's also George Floyd and all the riots and like you know yeah. Yeah. so much was happening that year so i feel like yeah nature saved me truly yeah.
1: so on your breathwork journey here now for you before we get, in, get into kind of some of the specifics around the types of breathwork that you do and that you lead why breathwork for you of the modalities what, what really pulled you particularly to that one as the one for you to really focus on for yourself?
0: It was actually the experience I had right after I left my career. We were starting just exploration around neuroscience, my my business partner and I, and um, we were reading all these books and we were starting to just investigate alternative modalities. And so we got this opportunity to work with this woman named um, Andrea Ming, who is a breathwork coach. Mm-hmm. It was just the two of us with Andrea. And this is September, I left in April. So this is September, just in that fall. And in that one session, my, the spirit of my father came through and he passed when I was 15. And it was like, I mean, all three of us felt it. It was like the most intense thing I had ever experienced in my life, but his spirit came through and I felt like Andrea was even like, you know, feeling his spirit. She was like, he doesn't want you to be sad anymore. And I didn't even realize I hadn't dealt with my grief. And so I later found out like years later that grief is actually stored in the lungs and breathwork was really that portal to get me to finally face that grief that I had not, you know, resolved or allowed myself to feel from his death back when I was 15. And I was already like in like 40 something at that point, you know what I mean? So it's like a long time, but, um, yeah that's why it was so powerful and i just started to i like truly experience the power of these non-ordinary states that you can achieve just through your breath not even with the aid or the guide of a plant medicine or fungi medicine it was literally just your breath and going so deep and being able to like surface All this stuff that was still in my system, still in my body. So that really kickstarted this whole next year of me focusing on grief work and, you know, doing a lot of stuff around grief.
1: How, how much breath work were you doing then after that? Like, do you do full sessions every day? What's your, what's your own practice?
0: I actually didn't do it that often. It was more, I would do it probably twice a month, Mm -hmm. you know, like let's say every two weeks or so Mm -hmm. I would go and, you know, go just to a facilitator and, and, and join their circle. Um, and then on my own, I would do these like little practices of just like breathing for five minutes in the morning, just like consciously breathing. Okay, And so it was that kind of attention or consciousness around just, you know, breathing, but they weren't necessarily full breath work kind okay. of, um, journeys, you I know, think
1: that I, there's a lot of, res- I, there's a lot of resistance. I think that people feel, with. I, I, yeah. I feel a lot of resistance with breath work. I don't know if it's the physical discomfort. I don't know if there's like some self-sabotaging thing, because I do know I always feel better. There isn't such a massive relief because it's, it's a very, it's, it's somatic therapy, right. In so many mm-hmm. ways, because you're releasing out of out of the body and and for those that have been on it like some people I've heard people talk about having like what they would consider a straight up exorcism through the yeah. experiences that they've had and and have having the privilege of seeing yours in your in your guided one it was the thing that really struck me the most about being in. I was my first guided breath work with other people first of all and mm-hmm. what a treat to get to see yours in such a with with uh just a a group of people that were also very like open to the experience but to hear um the levels and the ranges of the emotion that that comes from just breathing was just awe inspiring in in a lot of ways because it I realized it opens up things that like we had no idea were there especially when you get past there's like the light breathing but then the kind of breathing you took us through. And, and I'd love for you to also talk about like, what, what, what kinds of breathing technique is that? What are your favorites? Mm-hmm. And and what is, you talk about quantum journey work. What What is quantum journey work from your perspective?
0: Yeah. So the type of breath work that I do, I've, I've heard it called so many different things. I think there's even a healer who trademarked it and calls it transformational breath work. And it's their term, you know, so Mm -hmm. I kind of hesitate on using that, but in essence, it's a two step or two stage circular breathing technique Mm -hmm. where you're breathing through your mouth and you're activating your sympathetic nervous system. So it's not a calming breath work Mm -hmm. practice. This is not the box breath. This is not the four, seven, eight, as I was doing some investigation, because I always really want to kind of go back to the roots of where the practice came from, the closest thing I can find um, is that this seems to be a version or um, an extrapolation from the Durga te- technique from Pranayama. Okay. So that's a three-stage technique. Don't quote me on that, but I'm still kind of going through the investigation because I it's so interesting to me that I can't really find the root of this very specific kind of practice. Interesting. So yeah but i feel like all breathing really comes from pranayama you know Mm -hmm. some form of that that's Mm -hmm. just kind of like been um, revised or, or shifted or changed up a little bit over time but the idea here is that you're activating your sympathetic nervous system which is your fight or flight and so trauma is stored in the body right so when you're activating your sympathetic nervous system and like working that system up and almost like i would say kind of inducing consciously intentional stress within the body, Mm -hmm. some of that stuck or stored trauma energy starts to lift up to the surface. Mm -hmm. So you experience sometimes a lot of release, like a lot of crying, Mm -hmm. like you were hearing, um, wailing, you know, people wanting to vocalize their pain. Like it just comes out this energy in all these different ways. And when you're doing it in a group, that's when it gets so powerful because what you're essentially doing is you're witnessing each other's pain, right? And there's also joy in that crying too. Sometimes I'm, I'm doing breath work and I'm crying my eyes out, but it's not because I'm experiencing sadness. It's just, it's like this heartbreak from just gratitude, mm-hmm. you know, overwhelming gratitude for being alive, for, for feeling what I'm feeling. Yeah. And that depth of feeling that you get when you're able to do breath work, all this stuff that you've numbed yourself out on or escaped or didn't allow yourself to feel starts to come up to the surface. And so- yeah, it's it's a powerful practice. And yes, it's it's I, I would say like I hesitate to say it's not for everybody because it's breathing. We all breathe. Yeah, you know? Yeah. But the discomfort, hell yeah, it's a yeah. whole thing. It's a hard thing to get through. And so I find myself sometimes in my in my circle saying, like, if you're meeting discomfort, if you're experiencing anything uncomfortable. Meet it with a little curiosity, just like, mm-hmm. you know, a mushroom journey or ayahuasca journey. Like There is a level of breaking through that wall that also has to happen. Mm-hmm. And the practice itself of actually meeting those edges, feeling that discomfort and feeling the the, you know, the resistance Mm -hmm. that in itself is also a practice for life right it builds resiliency within our our nervous systems within our bodies to be able to meet those edges to be able to face the pain you know the 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 discomfort that is naturally part of our lives we don't have to suffer but pain and discomfort grief sadness it's a part of a human experience you know
1: i do find that there is kind of like you're saying a breaking through that, that, that that there is though a breaking through, you know, I think the first three to five minutes, not usually not even, I think you, I usually can break through before the five minute mark, but that first, like that two to four minute mark is tends to be where I'm still in the mind, like a lot. And when you're still in the mind in a, in a, then you're like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, I'm your mind is going a zillion things and it's just eventually (laughs) like that is the breaking through. And then then I do find that you can't get into a flow state, and maybe that's a surrender in the same way that you're like, "I'm here, I'm breathing, I'm okay, I'm just breathing." Like, you, there's almost the mind has to go through the the patterns of like, "I'm uncomfortable." Be like, "Is that okay? Like, is it okay that you're uncomfortable? or you? Is it? Like, can you still keep going?" And and like that's I think where like you're saying that that resilience of pushes through, but but knowing that like there is, I'm sure I can't speak for anyone. I can only speak for my own um, personal experience, but that but that the resistance does seem to fall away once you punch through it. You just got to, it's like starting anything. Honestly, it's like starting <laughs> yeah. fucking anything like yoga, <laughs> any hard workout. The minute I don't want to do it at resistance, like, Oh my God, the first ones I'm like, everything is a challenge, but then eventually I'm like, well, I'm here. <laughs>
0: like I'm just yeah. gonna keep
1: going. Um, yeah. So I, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say it's like the image that comes to my mind is um it like takes me back to Tunnels Beach and uh in Kauai like there is this like breakpoint in the ocean right and there's like crazy waves that you have to get through in order to get to that breakpoint and then all of a sudden past that breakpoint it's just chill it's, just it's like chill. super <laughs> totally like, <laughs> you know? And that, that's that surrender that you're talking about. You know, it's like allowing that egoic monkey mind to just settle and, and not give in to it, which is kind of like what happens in life when we're in these stressful moments or overwhelmed. It's like that monkey mind is just like, got to protect, got to defend, got to like keep us safe. Right. Yeah, Yeah. And so, I always tell people like, just allow that monkey mind to do its thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. just there to protect you. It's doing its job. Yeah. It's not like it's, you yeah. know, doing anything wrong. It's yeah. just, you know, just let it go and just yeah. tell your mind, like,
1: okay, I hear you. Thanks, I hear, cool. yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, all right. Well, there's a chair over there if you want, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for freaking me out. Uh, anyway. Um, so, um, I did want to, before we move on to psychedelics, I do know you're doing also breathwork and cannabis uh, sessions mm-hmm. and I'd love to just, I'd love to know like, what are you seeing from that or or what some of the feedback that you're getting from people um, generally speaking from those experiences and is it differing in the feedback that you're getting from say uh, breathwork that's, that's not uh, with the cannabis spirit helping, helping out.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, There's a lot of similarities, I would say, because Mm -hmm. in both cases, you're going on this journey, you're entering into non-ordinary states of consciousness in the cannabis and breathwork. I mean, it's such a powerful combo. I find that people who have difficulties with breathwork, who can't get out of that monkey mind cycle, Mm -hmm. if they bring in the gentle guidance of mother cannabis, Mm -hmm. they usually can get there. Mm -hmm. And I structure it a little bit differently where... In my regular breathwork circles, you know, we're, we're actively breathing for about 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. In the breathwork and cannabis, it's a much longer playlist. They're actually like invited to breathe for almost 45 minutes oh, wow. to an okay. hour. Yeah, yeah. And I, I basically give them permission. Like we start out breathing together, but if you blast off and you find yourself, you know, that you're not actively breathing anymore that's okay. Okay. The whole point is to blast off and to, you know, to get into these states of um, whatever it may feel like bliss or some people just literally like they go someplace and they're like, I have no idea where I went. Some people receive really profound messages, um, insight about their situations, you know, but that also happens in breathwork too. Mm -hmm. It's just with, I think cannabis, it's a slightly longer journey and you have this guidance of this medicine Mm -hmm. and she's just like, of, of all the entheogenics, like I feel like she is just so maternal. Like it's really the, like this gentle mother spirit. And I have people coming into those circles who are like recreational smokers. You know, they, they, they know cannabis from that, that space. Mm-hmm. They've never experienced her in this ceremonial setting and their minds are blown. Like I had no idea, like I just recently guided a private circle and this woman ha- who has done like many mushroom journeys, like ha- has really traveled the gamut, like Mm -hmm. sat with ayahuasca, she was like shocked at how deep she went with cannabis. And it, again, it's not like the mushrooms, like, you know, sometimes that can be a little uncomfortable and it brings up a lot of stuff. This happens here too. Like cannabis will bring up that stuff for you too, but in the most gentle way possible in a a very like, I don't know, I keep on going back to the, the mother. It's like a very sort of like here, you know, let me just show this to you. And it's not this like, here, you know, like mm-hmm. look at this now. Yeah. It's like a real you know. Deal with it. You know, it's it's so different, the yeah. energy. And yeah.
1: so Wow, well, yeah. I really want to try that. I'd I'd love to at some point I'll I'll do it before the end of the year, I'll I'll sit with one of those circles with you. Um, because I do know like the few I'm not I don't use cannabis too too often, but when I do, I love to meditate and I've had some mm-hmm. of the yeah, in this similar way. And this is not even from breathing. So adding that piece in, I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of the territories it goes because there is, you know, I've actually, even from cannabis, I've had almost more of an experience of like that oneness that you hear about a lot from, from mushrooms. And it's more like, yeah, like I remember the first time I was just like looking at myself in the mirror, like basically shape-shifting on cannabis. I was just, I kept staring like mm-hmm. in curiosity. And then I just it just somehow like it dissolved. It wasn't even a lot necessarily, um, but I just remember this realization. I was like, oh, I'm the mirror also. And like, I started like looking around my place and I'm like, and I'm this door. And like, it was this very, and I've I've heard of that before. I've heard people being like, I'm everything and everything is me, but that was always very intellectual for me. Like, yeah, okay, but I haven't actually experienced that. Not even actually from a psychedelic. I have a connection with everything always, you know, like especially in nature, everything's breathing and basically talking to you. But it wasn't like such an, it, this was almost like a little, a teacher. The, that's the, the yeah. cannabis for me has been almost like a, a teacher archetype for me where it's like, you're this and you're this and you're also this. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I think this I is a good, that. a good segue for us to now talk about psychedelics. Cause I know this is a big part of your own path and you also take people through their own, maybe even a more intense quantum journey uh, through the cosmos. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about how has psychedelics impacted um, your relationship to self? And mm. and then after that, when did you start to uh, take other people through the experience?
0: Yeah, I... Really? So, I mean, I feel like most of us have had the sort of college mushroom experience Mm -hmm. or the college, you know, um, LSD experience. But for me, my college experience really in that social setting, you know, was not for me at all. I had crazy paranoia. I was mushrooms were not my thing. MDMA I loved Mm -hmm. as my party drug, you know, but mushrooms like, please, no, (laughs) you know, it was too much for me. Even cannabis, like to that degree too, it was was just like, these are not my medicines. And I had this like almost a mental stigma kind of like blockage with those two medicines until 2019, almost a year after I left my career, I was working with a life coach and who also had microdoses. And so she gave me, you know, my first protocol and I was taking the sacred mushroom every other day. And I was involved in this, um, it was a startup at the time and not super vibing with the people that were um heading the startup mm-hmm. and just feeling like you know there's a lot of clashing of ideas and 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 mindsets and um and yet the money was really good i found myself mm-hmm. in the same place it's mm-hmm. like stable the money's great i can you know set my own hours yeah. like on paper sound awesome mm-hmm. after microdosing for about 2 weeks It was like my body like me listening to my body having that resensitization happening Mm. i could not deny that this was not right for me and i ended up quitting Mm -hmm. and this is something that i probably would have like toiled and sort of just like sucked it up and just did it for probably another like six months to a year you know yeah so i really credit the sacred mushroom for really helping me Mm -hmm. come to you know this like really deep inner knowing that this is not the right path for me And then that just opened me up for all these other opportunities. But I really started that year, 2019. I think I did a total of six Macrodose journeys, Mm -hmm. all of which happened up here in Idlewild, where I now live. And the very first one happened in March. And it was during my wedding anniversary. My husband and I came up here. We journeyed together and I just bawled my eyes out my heart just opened I was like talking to these two trees it was raining outside it was super oh, wow. moody and and like yeah. but I was just like my whole world was opening up and we were listening to Dolly Parton mm-hmm. and you know Donovan and just like yeah. it was just the most epic kind of um experience for me and I was just journaling like crazy and I remember the next day I was reading through some of the things I wrote in my journal one of the things really stood out to me and it said um it's so scary to know who you really are. Mm. And as I read that, it still gives me chills. It gave I'm me chills just it. now when you said that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, and it felt like as I was reading it and receiving it the next day, like it felt like my soul calling me to this work. You know, it felt like it was almost this like deep knowing, like this is what I'm meant to do. And I had already done half of my breathwork certification training at that point but i i suddenly like connected the dots like yes breathwork called me in because it was part of my grief work and it's something that i felt so like i saw the power of it but I started to understand or see the kind of path like i think the universe perhaps my dad's spirit mm-hmm. is calling me in through breath work and giving me the tools and the ability to hold space right. that's really what what I'm learning you know mm-hmm. in order to hold space face for people to face that's that fear of seeing themselves clearly mm-hmm. in these plant medicine spaces you know in these circles and so yeah it that was like what to that march 2019 and so every single journey that year i just got more and more and more and you know the next year i ended up coming up to Idlewild for the entire month of november to escape what was happening in la around the election in particular mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I did four journeys like every single week by myself, you know, and um, just felt it it was almost like the first time I really felt like this galactic kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, um, presence. Like I was transfixed on the moon and the stars during one trip and just feeling like I was being activated and just so surrounded with love you know and every single time i've journeyed it's been up here in these in this forest like in Idlewild, and with this mountain behind me and um i think there's something really sacred about this place and i ended up again very divine divine Mm -hmm. sort of like gift i we ended up buying a place up here last january and this has become like our primary residence you know and we pop back to la a lot but Mm -hmm. I think I was it's almost like I, I feel like this place was calling me and the mushrooms, like the sacred mushrooms were calling me to be here, yeah. to really prepare my body and my my energy and to be able to hold that space. And so it's really this year that I started facilitating these um sacred mushroom journeys. Mm-hmm. and it's been so wild to go through this process because it's almost as if I've like tapped into some dormant, Knowing that had always been there, but had just not been turned on until yeah. I had these opportunities, and each one has gotten progressively, I would say, more intense. Mm-hmm. The space I've had to hold has been more and more intense. the The trauma from mm-hmm. my clients has just gotten progressively more and more, um, just deep and intense. And I don't think I could have held space like this even a year ago. Mm-hmm. But what I'm starting to see, like in these spaces, as I'm literally holding, like sometimes even physically holding my client as they're facing some of the darkest things that are coming up to them, there's like no fear. It's like, I think, had I been doing this a year ago, I think there'd still be nervousness and fear. But as I'm witnessing them going through this, I'm just feeling such gratitude and so much love for them and realizing, like, I get this tremendous honor to walk with you through some of the most scary and dark places within your being. And I literally feel like I'm on the journey with them. You know, it doesn't feel like I'm outside of it. I'm like, um, yeah, I'm very much in it. And this last, the last one, uh, the last journey that I facilitated back in October in particular, I'm still processing myself you know there's just something that was so powerful about that and it happened in my loft in los angeles there used to be a tree that you know i picked that loft because of this tree outside of my mm-hmm. window that over the t- the decade that i lived there i would i mean that tree had seen me through so many heartbreaks and so many you know so much career shifting and like so much of my life so much change over the 10 years that i kind of like informally started calling her Mother Tree. Mm -hmm. And last fall, that tree had to be taken out because um, she was sick. And I cried for like, I think a month or two, because it felt like I was grieving like a family member. During that journey, there was one moment where I was literally holding my client and Mother Tree was there, her spirit was there. And she was like, do you see how i've been teaching you how to hold space this entire time like i was just outside your window and you're crying to me about all these different things throughout the 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 10 years that you lived here but do you see that this whole time how intentional everything that happened that led you to even get this love to meet me to to form this relationship with me and to have me become your teacher in holding the space Mm -hmm. for these beautiful souls that you get this honor of working with like I've been here all along and it just, it was like this moment I, I like started just bawling during yeah. that journey as I'm holding my client, like just realizing this was always the road I was mm. meant to be on, even with my career in advertising, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. So yeah. it was, it's been a powerful, powerful journey. Oh, wow.
1: Wow. Wow. I, it just strikes me too that, <clears throat> and just this idea of, the of mother tree, nothing has ever gone you know, yeah. like physically maybe, but you know, the same connection you have with your father and the same connection you might have with her that we just, <clears throat> it's never, it just moves. The energy just becomes, we might not see it anymore. It might change form, but it's always there. And I love the analogy even of like holding space as being like just the power of that. Because I think a lot of us, you know, when when we're holding space for friends that are going through it and um, a very, a masculine energy is like, here's here's how to fix it or here's some problem solving mm-hmm. and here's some of that and um a very maternal energy and uh uh th- something that I've certainly also like w- wanted to now I've now really adopted into my life as well when my friends are going through it or my family member is to just be the tree and and hold it and just allow the crying because it, it's always the other person who's crying that's actually doing the healing you're yeah. you're holding them through it so that they don't feel scared and don't spiral and know that they're, they're being held. But like, it's the person that's like going through it. And then, and like just to, to just give that comfort, that like you are not alone on this and I've got you and you're going to be okay. And you're going to get yeah. through it is like one of the most powerful things that we can do for one another. This is how we do heal each other more mm-hmm. and more. And sometimes we just need to grieve and let it out and wail and cry. But Are you on, um, or do you take any mushrooms or anything when you're during an experience, whether a little bit, are you with them on the, that parallel or that dimensional space?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I take a little bit, I take about a microdoses amount Mm -hmm. just so that the spirit of the mushroom is with me. And there is something magical that happens in that too. It's like, I don't have to take very much to feel that, that presence and that connection with the person I'm, I'm walking with and that particular journey again i'm like still integrating and processing that because i felt very much like even though i wasn't taking the full heroic dose myself i was in that underworld with her it was like the wildest experience for me and medicine for me too to like also receive the presence of mother tree and like have this experience with both of them you know true shamanic path
1: i mean that's how you hear it from uh, when people talk about it from, from Ayahuasca, certainly, but like to just to be in it and to be able to navigate the energetics of that, um, yeah. isn't, isn't, I'm, it's like, I, but it's so beautiful. Like every, I love that, like every step got you here, even from mm-hmm. the advertising thing. Cause you had to understand that you had to make a different choice. There had to be a choice of the path. You know what I mean? Like everything was just, and the cool thing is it's like the beauty of life is like, where does it all go you know how does it continue yeah. to expand and and what does that all the journey of life for you and like the way that I think that that psychedelics have taken many of us on like the most exquisite roller coaster of a ride I mean this podcast for me and like I thank them all the time <laughs> thank you so much thank you for letting yeah. me talk about you guys and and hold a, for people like yourself to come on and and buy it continuing to grow i'm like am i doing good by you guys are you thank you so much <laughs> Just, they really um, are they you are. thank you yeah they really uh they're really something so i want to talk to you a little bit about moon that you're doing mm-hmm. it's a, a program that you're doing a five-week program can you talk to us a little bit about this microdosing program who's it for and what's your attention behind it
0: Yeah. So I decided, I actually launched this back in January and did two rounds of Moondose. It's essentially a five week microdose journey guidance kind of program, group journey guidance. Mm -hmm. And um, within that five weeks, we're walking together through our microdosing protocol. Um, There's a couple of breathwork sessions. There's also a sound healing session. And What I found with the microdoses is that, you know, I think there's just so much, there's a lot of hype now around microdosing and things like that, right? But I think the power of microdosing and working with the sacred mushroom in this way, and specifically the sacred mushroom, is that they work as amplifiers. And so they do amplify whatever is happening, and they help you to, you know, really connect more deeply with your body, even those teeny tiny amounts. And so as you're doing therapy work, as you're doing journey work during You know this microdosing protocol and even if you bring the microdose into that journey space too it really doesn't take that much Mm -hmm. to have a profound breakthrough kind of experience and we just um so this this particular five-week program this time it's centered around eclipse season and it's for bipoc and i very intentionally. This is actually, it came from the mushrooms too. I was struggling trying to figure out like, okay, how do I price this? Like, what do I, you know, want to make these mm-hmm. change? And during my last macrodose journey this year, um, halfway through the journey, they were like, literally the mushrooms were like, just make a donation base. Like, stop trying to figure out, like, just yeah. make a donation base. And immediately I just felt this relief, you know, and yeah. I realized I need to make this as accessible as possible for everyone to be able to experience this medicine and it, it felt so good to be able to it was almost like a, a release you know like yeah. a, a freedom like a letting go when that finally came into my field mm. so i made a donation base and we have um there was like 14 people in this particular container and i i just cannot I'm, i have no words to really describe like the instant connection that has formed in the group even from day one and we've only gathered twice so far but we had a breath work journey this past Wednesday. And like during the journey, I felt the kundalini energy coming through. My hands were spiral. I mean, it was just, and I felt wow. like literally, it was like these connection threads between myself and among everyone in the group. The level of vulnerability and love. Again, only meeting these people, like still a total stranger, it's like twice, mm-hmm. that the group has for one another mm-hmm. is profound. And I cannot. I, I just can't um, I can't disregard the the work and the guidance of the sacred mushroom in forming these connections. And it's not even so much them forming the connections for us, but us being able to feel the connections that have already been there. you yeah. know? Yeah, it literally feels like a soul tribe. like we've all had like past lives together. Totally. so it, it's like that intensely like deep that i'm I'm just kind of like in awe. And it's
1: how, what a cool experience that now you've now lifelong friends and also for you to feel, uh, the connections, not from any kind of, um, a hierarchy of any kind, not that you would ever intend that to be, but, but that you're in it, you're part of the circle that you happen to be leading through, but that it's not okay. Students, you know, and that like they're doing their thing and that you're separate, but that the, that connection is, um, within all of you and that you all had this agreement at this time in life, you're going to put together a program and these 14 souls. And then those 14 souls are going to go tell others. And, you know, and I love that you're focusing on the BIPOC community. And this is a good segue into the last uh, bit that I want to talk about. You have just um, talked to us about the Asian psychedelic collective that you're now recently a part of. What's the vision? I love that you're doing this. And I, I think, you know, as, as I've seen certainly with like the, uh, the ancestor project and some other groups, uh, around like African-Americans and certainly obviously, um, you know, from our South America, like all of that, but, but especially this post COVID, there's been a lot of trauma for the Asian community period, you know, Mm -hmm. coming out of this, a lot of violence and a lot of stuff. And I feel like what a perfect time to Mm -hmm. now call upon also that layer of healing and not just from obviously the current, but whatever, you know, everyone has their own ancestral patterns and yes. things. And so it's, talk to us about it.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm just beyond grateful to be a part of this and, and co-building and co-creating this alongside, um, you know, these incredible people. Um, there's a beautiful woman named Simran who essentially found me on Instagram and cold messaged me like cold on me. And this was really her vision. You know, she, she was just imagining like, we need a place for Asians to be able to find other Asians who are wanting to walk with this medicine, whether they're working directly, you know, in mm-hmm. this field, or are really seeking the healing. And I think, you know, Asians in general, I feel like there's a lot of stigma around mental health, around therapy work, around seeking help for mental health. And, you know, it's there, there's so many cultures that are comprised of the word, you know, Asian, mm-hmm. but there's just a lot. Of, it's like, you know, there's a lot of like family intergenerational trauma. I just this year. Had started this group called Mother Root to serve Asian women and femmes mm-hmm. in really working through and reconnecting their ties to their ancestors. Mm-hmm. I think growing up Asian and growing up Asian American specifically in Texas in a very white area, mm-hmm. the one thing, at least through the Mother Root container, that I realized was that at some point, each of us have experienced mm-hmm. some form of self hatred mm-hmm. because of our Asianness. Mm-hmm. We've either wished that we had blonde hair and blue eyes, or we had wished that, you know, we ate different food, mm-hmm. or that you know we we looked like you know all the other white kids in our schools and and talked and dressed and had white parents who understood American culture, mm-hmm. and there was always a level of shame. I still remember even you know being young and and feeling like. I can't bring anybody home because Mm -hmm. this, we're not like you, you know? And there's this like very, very, um, it's just a very conscious feeling of otherness. Mm -hmm. I think that most of us who have grown up in this other culture or in this other place, you know, whether it's Canada, America, in the West, away from the motherland who have immigrant parents or even, you know, are like second generation themselves there is that self-hatred that is kind of part of our experience, you know, because we are, we were the other, you know? And so I think that's why the Asian psychedelic collective is so important, you know, why it needs to exist because the medicine actually has a very, very rich history in our culture. And yet nobody talks about that. Like nobody talks about cannabis was in traditional Chinese medicine, I had no idea until like literally two months ago, yeah. you know? And that even in traditional Chinese medicine, there was like this entheogenic um, mushroom called the laughing mushroom that they also used as well, you know, in, for medicinal purposes that were, it was psychedelic. Yeah, And it was just like, my mind is blown yeah, that, you I had know. No idea. A laughing mushroom, right. I mean, it sounds pretty similar to a mushroom <laughs> that we all know probably pretty well. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. So. I'm just like, I'm learning this myself, you know, I'm just like, oh my God, I have roots in this. Like, no wonder this feels like coming home to me to work with these medicines. Like it's, it's part of my ancestry it's part of my culture. And yet I had no conscious understanding or knowing of that. And so that's why, again, this needs to exist. I think part of it is education, it's advocacy for other, you know, Asian facilitators and Asian healers and therapists and people who are working in this field um but it's also just even the presence of like you can look like me and also be working with this medicine and it's okay you know you're not weird or you're not like crazy it's acceptable you know we all have these traumas that have been still left unresolved and you know it's, this medicine is here for, for our healing. I'm and so, so that's why. It's so, yeah. it's
1: so beautiful to hear. And I having, I have two Asian friends that had talked about that. One of them, it was like an ongoing joke. Her like, mod, her role model was Paris Hilton. And I was like, <laughs> I like, she would just be like sunset or whatever they would, she'd always say. And I just always thought it was like, well, that's an interesting, like she <laughs> like wanted to be Paris Hilton. And my friend, my other friend would talk about that actually like quite a bit. And, um, we talk about the self-hatred a lot and, and how like the only thing that she ever wanted to be was white, how she couldn't be. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and meanwhile, I look at her, she's gorgeous. Like it's always like what, like she looks just so, she's so beautiful. She's actually, she's actually a mix. And I was just like, it's so interesting how we like always like look outside of ourselves. But she dealt with that too, with just, you know, her mom, it was, was from Japan and mm-hmm. um, her father had died. And so there was just this like deep desire to want to fit in um yeah. and yeah. and um and never feeling and trying but like there was always a few people that would remind her uh that she wasn't and so i just it's so i like i'm so grateful to things like mushrooms and people like yourself and was it samara you said her name Sim- simran simran just yeah. like connecting all of us like back to our cultures and and to be like the beauty of this world is that we all are of different cultures you know fucking boring it would be if we all were like white and blonde but like like the same culture like as somebody who is just blonde and I'm white I'm like it it makes it makes it, it makes life interesting and fun to go to other cultures and to be a part of it and so I'm glad that like there's a deep healing that's taking place in that. And that mushrooms, mushrooms are the, are for everyone. They quite literally mm. grow in every fucking continent. They are yes. literally the divine's gift to all of us to connect us back to our, to our the truth of what we are. And it's way beyond our ethnicities. You know, like we are all this. You know, maybe it's more esoteric, but like of energy of of the human race. Like it's all. Anyway, it's, it's, um, it's the thing that gives me a lot of hope around, um, psychedelics is because it does break down separation from ourself and the universe and ourself and hopefully others. And you know what I mean? And like, it's the breakdown of the separation of our, our body being the thing that separates you and I. And so that's where I feel like the the secret sleeper of the psychedelic movement is that, that the scientists don't really talk about is like. The profound shit that is happening on a psychedelic that you can't account for, the, the, yes. the connection to more than ourselves is mm. what you, we can't, how do you quantify what impact that's going to make on the world? And so that's what excites me about this movement.
0: Yeah, Same same it really does come down to that connection (laughs) that's really you know i mean i think in the world right now there's so much loneliness and feeling like i have to hold all this myself you know i have to run and walk by myself there's so much aloneness and so i think that this connection is just it can't be an intellectual understanding it has to be a felt understanding and when you feel that connection just even like going back to this mother, mother or sorry, this um dose group, when you feel that connection, even though you're in your own journey space, even though you're traveling the quantum, like mm-hmm. wherever your quantum reality is, mm-hmm. there everybody was was um expressing how they still felt connected to one another wow. in this journey. And that again, I like you can't understand that intellectually. Yeah. You can't under, you know, there's nothing that your mind can wrap around, you know, it's just it's a feeling in your body yeah. and so It'll it all try. goes back down to the body. Yeah.
1: yeah. It'll try. The mind will try and like attach what it thinks happen. I'm like, okay, well that's, a, that's, that's one hypothesis, <laughs> I guess. But like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's no word for, for what you're experiencing right now. But, uh, right. This was right. such a beautiful conversation. Ellen, thank <sighs> you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom. I hope everyone came away with being like, that's what she was talking about. <laughs> Where can people work with you? Where can people find you online?
0: So if they want to breathe with you, they can do that or sit with yeah. you
1: even, you know?
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I actually am pretty active on Instagram. So if okay. you follow me, it's just Ellen. you know That's my handle. Mm-hmm. And my uh, .com or my site is also tripwithellen.com. All so right. you can find, um, you know, my site kind of details like the way you can work with me one-on-one. It talks a lot about my group offerings. And then if you want to learn um, or if you want to just go straight to the events and the dates, Instagram is probably the best portal for that. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so
1: much again for coming on and sharing your love, your wisdom, and your vibration with the rest
0: of us. (laughs) Thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine, truly.
1: Awesome. And for everyone, as always, trip on this.